folks, Herb Anderson here. Welcome to season six. You know, I partnered up this season with Four Eyes because we are in some crazy times, right? We have uh, inventory shortages, we have an unstable vehicle value landscape, and we have high demand. So we've had to become better at alternative-based selling. And one of the ways that we can do that is by actively studying our consumers' behavior on our website and being able to follow up with them in a more intelligent manner. Because we don't have inventory right now, offering alternatives based on what customers are really interested in buying is crucial. And Four Eyes can really help you do that. It even gets better than that. By actively tracking website behavior, Four Eyes can improve your customer communication process through a series of intuitive email campaigns tailored to what vehicles your customers are engaging with. Look, it's a win-win. Click the link in the description of this episode to start your 60-day trial. What up? Welcome back to another episode, another season of the Dealer Talk Podcast. This is season six, and we are going to open things off with none other than Mr. Lou Ramirez. It's hot in here, so you got to listen to this whole deal. So we close season five with Fred Lenart, the subprime hero, and now we got Lou to kick things off on this season. Obviously, these guys have their own show with the Car Guy Coffee podcast. And if you're not tuning into that deal, you need to do that right now. Stop whatever you're doing. Go to your app on your phone and subscribe right now to that show. Anyway, without further ado, let's kick things off. Lou, what's up, my man? What is happening, my brother? It is so good to see you. And it's just so good to be right here, Brewing Solutions, having some great deal of talk with an incredible leader in the industry. Herb, brother, I appreciated you being on our show. Fred and I had a blast with you. And now I'm just pumped up that we get the chance to come out here, caffeinate your show, have a good time. Brother, I also can't wait till I get the chance to meet you, man. But I'm doing really, really awesome. Things are popping at the lot right now, and I'm just having a good time. A little coffee break with my friend Herb. What's going on, man? I'm right doing- on, brother. Dude, this is so awesome. I, I you know, I, I love it because we like I said, I close things off with, with Fred, and I kind of wanted to do an interview with you guys like separately. Um, and it's it, it's just perfect. Like I closed it with him and then I'm opening this one with you, so it's so I kicked things off with a um, uh, with with a background, man. So tell us about you. Oh, man, where to start? This is uh, going to be a very, very, very long show uh, to try to give you the espresso shot version of it. Um, I'm a native New Yorker, first generation uh, born in the U.S., uh, Cuban. Guatemalan, Mexican, Nigerian, Italian, all mixed up into a special blend that makes this car guy uh, be who it is that I am. Um, I was raised in New York, got into a lot of trouble in New York, was a big troublemaker, Uh, learned a lot of lessons, but I had a mom that is the strongest closer in the world that I know, uh, taught me so much, uh, but she was one that carried so many hats. Uh, she did it all. She worked the multiple jobs. She did what it took to make sure that I understood uh, the value of people, even when I didn't understand the value of people yet. Right now, it's like those lessons from mom are just now starting to sink in um, as I'm seeing my kids make transitions inside of their own life. But Uh, With that, I was a big, crazy troublemaker doing bad stuff with a bunch of bad people because I was in a bad environment and I didn't have the greatest examples. And uh, I eventually found my way uh, into the military. Military fixed that uh, right up. (laughs) I had had a uh, a daughter that I just had. So things started to get really real for me. 
I took on a, a new life, a new flow. I mean, really, it, everything started to shift. I began a relationship with Christ that then got me into the, the army. All of that actually kind of fused together at the same time. Uh, I became a soldier for the kingdom and a soldier for the U.S. at the same time and began uh, just trying to learn how to grow up. And I did that. The military did a great, great job with me uh, because really it was uh, this is your, your last shot at really trying to find success um, or to get that order in your life, to get that right. leadership in your life. And I took that. I took as as much as I could take the experience um, and, and try to do my best with it. And it got me to where I am on the side of in the auto industry because the person who was my commandant or the uh, president of the Soldier of the Year board ran into me as I was transitioning out. I was actually waiting to go into the post office and he ran into me and he said, Ramirez, what are you doing? And he was from Brooklyn. He reminded me of my stepfather a lot. And he was like, what are you doing with your life? And, and I said, oh, I'm waiting for the post office. He said, why? And I told him about the ministry work that I was doing locally which is a big core reason of why I stayed where I am as well, uh, just because I was already fixed into the lives of young people and into a moving ministry locally and uh, just started to build a brotherhood with that. And I didn't want to keep jumping the family around. And my wife has family locally where we are. So we wanted to set our roots here. So I said, well, I'm government. I get, you know, I was pretty proud of that government pass, right? Everybody says, you know, a veteran should be hired a little bit easier. It's not as easy as it should be. Uh, but uh, I was like, okay, well, let me use this status. I'll go deliver mail. I, I'd love to be the guy that's handing them a thing, giving them a little smile. Hey, hi. And wave and keep on moving down the block, right? I, I walk up, I, I grew up walking uh, to, to school. So I, I could see myself with the bag and just bringing happiness to everybody. Right. And, uh, but when I was waiting for the call back from the post office, I answered an ad after I had that seed. It was just a little seed plugged in there. He had a daughter that was working at a dealership. I said, okay, Sergeant Major, I'll check that out. Sergeant Major moved on. Good, good seeing you. I'm out of the army, right? I was so ready to be out of the army. Um, just at that moment. And when I saw this ad, it was like, boom, whoa, maybe I need to take a look at this. And it's the same ad that Fred looked at, right? It's the same dealership that Fred was, was working <laughs> at at the time. And uh, it said, go see uh, Matt Damos and Chris Craddock and you'll make 80,000 plus a year. You'll have benefits and all these other things. And uh, you're just, you're going to go sell cars. Well, you know, I'm over here trying to brew solutions for the family at the time. And, and I was like, well, if I can't sell cars, well, you know, what I do in the army is similar to what the parts guys do, right? They order the parts. They make sure that the mechanics have what they need. Cool. I can make the transition to there. Baby, it's going to be good. We'll figure this out. And then I had a couple of weeks in the business and oh. never had that talk again. Um, ne forgot about the phone call, ignored the phone call, right? That the, uh, the post office was, was consistently bringing out for that first month. And I said, no. No, I saw this check and I was like, what? Baby, this is really, I did this. Look at what happened. And I was hooked. Got me right there. And, uh, and then I got into the car business, did this for, for years, done everything from being a general manager to uh, sales, to uh, marketing, to production, to producing uh, commercials. So much that I've had the fun opportunity to sink my hands into in the industry. And of course, developing incredible car guys into guys that are having uh, incredible experiences inside of their life right now. And uh, I'm just honored to do that. And now we have a podcast and my brother and I are just trying to do what we can to make sure that people are smiling, people are having a good time, and people are taking a real honest look at how to make the world around them better on many different levels, more than just business, if that makes sense. But that's- Yeah, no, it does, man. I def and Yeah, we're definitely going to talk more about the podcast for sure, because I love what you guys are doing. But um, you forgot dancer in there, man, dude, in your background. I saw, I saw them dance moves, bro. <laughs> okay, so- before adulthood, right, um, outside of being a little bad kid, right, I was a just a street dancer, b-boy. I love, I mean, I love dancing. I love Michael Jackson, love all the old school hip-hop, love classic hip-hop. And, yeah, I'm a, I mean, you, we, we get a floor open, we get that beat going, and I'm going to keep moving. Uh, but as long as music is playing, 
I'm going to be dancing. Uh, my mother is an incredible dancer. She still has videos out right now. She does a whole bunch of uh, salsa, bachata, merengue with a whole, all of her crews, right? That's her little social stuff. And my mom's out there killing it, and I'm wanting to be out there like <laughs> And uh but uh, but that's that's ultimately where I get it from, you know, uh, is a family that's always dancing, a family that's always uh, playing karaoke, having fun with that. My sister runs a karaoke business down in oh, right uh, Florida. And uh, I mean, I've just just loved always loved the, the movement, the go. And, and I'm I always was a little different with the B-Boys because I wasn't so much like in the B-Boys. You know, they always have that little bit of little bit of grime to them. Right. And when I'm dancing, I'm just. Hey, I'm just pumped up. I'm happy. I'm just trying to have a good time. So it's like, what's up? But so my battle is was always way different than uh, than like, yo, I'm trying to put you down. It was more like, yo, we're dancing. Isn't this fun? You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's have a good time. Let's dance. And uh, but now I get the chance to teach dance inside of schools locally. And uh, they bring me in there. I hype up the kids, get them just having a good time, get them uh, all wiggling, all moving. And the thing <laughs> that I've learned is that every one of them want to dance whether they're in dance inclined or not. And we all know those that are and are not, uh, but everybody wants to dance. You know, it's, it's so much fun. And, uh, and, and keeping that flow going, you know, that's just our culture. You know, it's the culture at our store. It's the culture at, at Fred's store. That's why music is always booming. It's always blasting, yeah. always shaking things up. Um, and that's what you see Fred doing in his videos, right? You see I know, yeah. Flowing inside. And so he hears that before he gets that groove on. And I mean, that's exactly how we are. We're, we're just feeling the vibe. We're just feeling the flow. And, uh, it's boring without a little bit of dance. It's, you know, you got, you got to keep a move going. But yeah, right hey, on. I definitely love to dance. That's definitely one of my faves. Yeah, man. Like I said, I, I saw the moves, man. They're pretty good. I was pretty impressed. That 90s stuff. That 90s stuff. There's some young bucks that are in the car business right now. My man Nathaniel that's out there b-boying at conferences or over at Napa Valley, uh, man, th there's going to be a rising. I'm telling you, the uh, the goal for one of the next digital dealers and I'm going to spill the beans a little bit is for a flash mob to happen. So just get your camera <laughs> ready, folks. When you see multiple people doing the same moves, yep, it's happening. That's what's going on. Very cool. When is that? When is that going down, by the way? That is in October, um, like second oh, or third week in October. Right. Just a couple of months, man. Right on. Right down the road. And the, the, the train is going now. People have already gone out. The first conferences have started to happen. Right. So now it's moving. It's grooving. You know, the pictures are coming out. Everybody's with people. And I love it. Um, it's uh, it's definitely made us value it more. Uh, we were talking right before, you know, we, we got on here, the value of, of what happened with COVID. There's so much to pull out of it uh, that that is strengthening to our culture. And most of it is that we've started to value more people, mm. you know, nothing about them, just them. They are them. They are there. We are here and enjoying those moments has, uh, has really taken it to the next level. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that for sure. There's definitely been a lot of pluses and it's weird. Like, like you said, like we were talking about before we jumped on it. Um, just not expected, man. Like I wasn't expecting things to take the turn that they did, but man, has it been good for the industry on so many different levels, not just on the profit side and all that stuff. I mean, that's great, but growth-wise, it's been, it's been awesome. Right. But you didn't take um, the gas, you know? It's not like you stopped, you know? That, that's why what, what, what you're seeing is more of a result of you just consistently pouring out, you know? You didn't, it's not like you, you retreated, right? Yeah, did everybody get a little nervous? Yes, uh, but those, sure. your hand on the plow saw great results, you know? Right on. So um, let's talk about um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about like the 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 state right now. Like for you and your day to day, um, how how are you seeing things, man? Like what are we like? Fifteen months into this, obviously in the beginning it's crazy. You're trying to figure things out, then you kind of get into a little bit of a groove, and then it just becomes your norm, right? So in this new norm, I guess if we can say it that way, what are you? What's it look like from your perspective? Well, I don't, I don't know if we we got to a place where it's it, it isn't a normal uh, yet because we're we're still trying to find the rhythm, right? Uh, in most cases, uh, dealerships would have the projections that they make for their store, whether it's monthly, quarterly, yearly, they have that based off of a certain tra uh, track history, 
that, right? It makes it becomes predictable uh, what it is that they're going to do, where the adjustments are going to come, you know, how to budget for this, how to plan for that, how to staff for this event or for whatever it is that's happening. The thing is, is that we're, we're getting that rhythm back in. Things are settling out. Things are adjusting. But where the dealerships and the culture is is at right now, it's much like people that begin that new that new diet plan or that new workout mm. or um, that new course that they're taking. Right. Or a new class. If they just begin, you know, taking uh, going to school again. Right. They take some of their correspondence. They're taking online. They're getting we're getting into that flow. We're getting into learn what's happening now, but until some of the tide settles in what monies are getting uh, given to uh, to the U.S., right, as far as uh, stimuluses, um, what incentives are given to banks as more of this continues to shake out. We're going to see more of what's happening as uh, Ford and other manufacturers begin releasing vehicles to dealers. So much more is going to shake out. We've seen so many unprecedented things happen to now. The thing is, is that there's so many unprecedented things that are in front of us um, only because we haven't seen what it looks like up to this point. Um, and so we're all adjusting. So there's a lot of high fives. And and yes, we're doing great going on now. And that should continue. That's the culture that ultimately we want to make sure keeps raising up. High five, smiles. Everybody's doing good. But the need for us to make the adjustments on ourselves and our businesses has come to the forefront. And now we're in those beginning stages where we're starting to get the rhythm of it. We're starting to understand, okay, like you said, there is somewhat of a near normal, or is this kind of how it's going to be? And the thing that we're more or less, I think, trying to pound into everybody's head is to be ready for whatever. This industry is so big about, let's do find out what works good for us. And we're just going to do that and not stop doing that. Well, that's where eventually that stuff dies off, right? It doesn't grow. It doesn't add to, you know, a vine dresser is consistently cutting on the vine and making adjustments for it. It can't just grow out of control, right? It, it grows better when it's pruned on. And we've been pruned on as an industry in 2020. Um, in 2021, we're starting to see a little bit more blossoms, starting to see some fruit, some really good, healthy fruit, right? That's what happens when you prune stuff. Yeah. Reap good, healthy fruit again. And that's what I believe is happening now. We're starting to see some new big fruit and it's causing that awareness for all of us to know, oh man, there's a lot of pruning that we need to do. There's a lot of adjusting that we need to do. And uh, we need to start shaking things out more so that light can have its effect on what we're trying to grow. And when I say light, I mean, I mean light, like transparency, right? That transparency that's needed across uh, across the table from people doing business together is getting more and more um, illuminated uh, now that customers have access to the things that we have access to. Customers have the tools in a lot of cases that we have access to. Um, but now it's just really connecting the professionals. So I think we're getting into the groove of understanding, okay, let's, let's make the adjustments that we have to make. Maybe we were a little bloated on inventory. Maybe we were a little bloated on our ad budget, right? Let's really take a look at where we can adjust things and get a better result out of them and uh, refine what we're doing a bit more. I think that's more or less where we're at. If that could be all condensed down into a make sense moment. <laughs> no, dude, I totally agree, man. Like it, it's funny because you, you talked about um, kind of getting in that in that sort of a groove. And I, I agree. Like I, like I said earlier, I feel like we're we're kind of getting into that place. But then how realistic is it? is to have the expectation that this is going to be the norm. That's like the, I don't know, man. And to your point, as soon as we start getting cars back and that demand kind of stabilizes, um, what's that going to look like? And more importantly, have we done the work? Mm -hmm. Because this was, this was a good, and I think Sean Welsh hit the, hit the nail on the head way early when this thing started. And he was like, folks, now is the time to kind of, pump the brakes, reassess things, kind of reset. You've always wanted to really look at things from a different perspective and you couldn't because you were busy and all this stuff. Well, now is the time for you guys to do that. And so I'm, I'm curious to, to see how many dealers really took the time to do that and when things do normalize, because I do feel like we're still in some sort of an influx, right? Mm -hmm. That's a little bit inflated. When right. we do get to that place of, of stability, 
what's that going to look like and, and, you know, have those dealers take, taking the measures necessary to really, um, clean house. Right. And I'm by clean house, I'm not saying fire people, but, um, you know, look at all everything, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I, I truly believe that there's a baptism happening right now. Yeah. There is a full fledged baptism that's occurring in the industry worldwide, but in the, in the automotive industry. And, and I say that from a posture of, of knowing that in the mornings there's Christians that are getting together that are strictly car people or, you know, car affiliated in some way that are talking about trying to do better things inside of their, their relationships, inside of their communities and be those men of standard inside of dealership life. But in the future, as far as what I see there and, you know, I would, and I'm very cautious of my words, but I honor what it is that is said and what I attach my faith to what I truly believe is going to be happening and what we're going to start seeing inside of the business is that the standard has risen uh, to where people are banging on the door to try to have access into the automotive industry in one way or another, because there has been a tide shifting in the honor that there is in the industry. I believe that as we continue to raise the standard that we have on our own personal lives, that it's going to spill over. Naturally, mm-hmm. right? It's going to spill over into the the businesses. Uh, dealers are going to be more concerned about their people than their profits. More concerned about relationships over their revenue, and and start to find out that that's actually what's going to really build them up as they dig deep roots, taking care of people. As we build people up, they're going to build up the business. And so, what I what I see happening is that more people are going to begin taking ownership of the business. And that's going to just create more equity in it. So as whether it's a salesperson and uh, or a whole crew of salespeople that all feel the importance of building their business within the business, that's only going to raise up the value of the business. Right. Just like a mall. Right. As, as more valuable stores make their way into the larger building, that increases the value of showing up to that mall. Same thing inside of the dealership. It's, it's going to be a whole bunch of people that recognize that for them to be successful, all the tools are available. Now they just have to use them. Yeah. And as dealers empower people to do so and put some of those tools in their hand, but also let people know, hey, if there's a tool that you need in your toolbox, it's available. Go get it if you really okay. want to come there. Right. Um, but just like any great mechanic, that's the thing that I feel like salespeople need to figure out. And need to go hang out a little bit more with people in the backside of the dealership or in the bays and, and t- look at those mechanics that are elite level mechanics. Those those boys that can just hear it and hear it from a mile away and tell you what's going on with the car. Right. Go spend some time with them. Find out how much they've invested inside of their toolbox. Find out how much they put inside of, of making sure that they have the elements that it takes to make their job easier. As much as they're great masters, they know how to master their tools. I feel like salespeople need to go see how much people invest inside of tools that can only operate when somebody uses them. Right. right. And so well, yeah. and that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good um, point of interjection because um, one of the, one of the perspectives that I wanted to get from you just because of your current role is the front lines. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we've talked a lot about the dealership as a whole, I think in, in the last year and a half, but not a whole lot about the salesperson, right? Well, what do you think the shift has been for them? Because when you think about it, like, I mean, let's just be honest, man. The majority of the salespeople have had incredible years, mm-hmm. right? Because as the mm-hmm. dealers prof- has, have profited, so have they. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so... Um, how do you think this current situation has impacted them? And do you think that that's it's for the better or for or for the detriment of 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 the dealership? I believe that's uh, almost a an individual personal mentality question for for most people. It's always going to depend on where that salesperson is. If the the salesperson gets pumped up and motivated to try to do more when they see bigger checks coming, then they're going to see new ways to keep that going and keep it moving when it's not quite as easy. They're going to consistently find a way to grow, build, compound, invest, move, you know, do what they have to do, make hay uh, while the sun is shining per se. Right. On the other side, uh, people that found out, Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm producing double the income on 
similar work, actually maybe even a little bit less work just because the market has the demand, man, I, I can create a bad habit. I can get a little bit lazy. Uh, and so it's going to depend on the person that does it. And, and that goes across the person's personal disciplines across the board. But what I believe we're going to start seeing is as those that are, you know, keeping our uh, hand on the pulse or our finger on the pulse of what's happening in the industry, social media wise, we're going to start seeing salespeople continue to grab a hold of the tools that they have, market themselves and, and, and learn marketing. They're going to learn how to be car guys and marketers, which sometimes takes so long. I believe that these steps are going to be advanced. It, it's very easy for a salesperson now to get the tools inside of their hand to be able to make themselves have marketing uh, tools backing them up, whereas before they were so reliant on the dealership's marketing to get them out there that now that power is being put inside of their hands. And I think we're going to see a lot of people raise up. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm speaking that, I'm decreeing that, um, especially because that's a, a program that we're bringing to the forefront also to help salespeople have the tools to have people uh, setting appointments for them, building up their pipeline so that they can do what it is that they're great at, enjoy and perfect that part of their craft. Now more than ever, businesses need more efficient sales. That's why thousands of dealerships trust FourEyes to help with things like automated inventory email updates and ensuring all of your leads get into the CRM. To try FourEyes for free, visit foureyes.io slash dealer talk. That's foureyes.io slash dealer talk. Right on, man. No, I like that a lot. Um, and I, and I want to add a little bit to it because... I feel that, you know, I agree. It's not that I, that I, that I disagree. I totally agree. I think for the majority, I think with the increase in, 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 in monies, just to be, to be direct, there's been a, um, kind of an extra incentive. But I, I am a little caution, cautious, or I want to bring some, some caution because I've noticed that as sales have increased, so have negative reviews. Mm. And so... My, you know, again, my, 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 I guess my warning is let's not forget about the processes and the things that we do internally and the experience and all that stuff, you know, just to circumvent a deal, right? Or just to get a deal made because customers are not going to forget about that, man. Like they're, they, they may, they might feel obligated or, or not even obligated. And that's not even the right word, but forced to um, do the deal because you have the car that they want and they may be in a, in a need uh, at that particular moment in time, but they won't forget, man. If you're, if you're, oh, right. no, if you, you know what I mean? So you got to be really, really careful with that. Yes. Make the money. Yes. You know, obviously supply and demand that's economics 101, but think about the future, right? Think about the future deal. Think about three years down the line. And when that customer comes back and, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is be like, yeah, because well, these are the types of reviews that I'm seeing right now is, yeah, I bought this car here, but they charged me way over over what the car is worth. But I, I, I was in a situation where I had to do mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, but I, and again, I'm not saying that that's everybody. And I think no. the majority, the majority yeah. are, are, are doing a fantastic job. And, and, and like you said, like... Honestly, brother, I think that isn't that is even a little bit of a stretch to say that the majority at the moment is is doing the most because we know how much room there is for improvement in the industry, right? Sure. We understood how many people um, had a culture that we we were already shipping, right? You, you were using your show, you're using your influence um, to try to bring higher standard to to the market. So the, those that are getting those reviews now. I believe that a lot of that is still kind of plugged into whether or not they made a shift in their culture prior mm -hmm. to this influx happening, right? If they didn't make the shift before, well, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of grace for that. So if they weren't even aware that that shift had to be made, that they had to start understanding how to value customers, if they didn't value their, um, their actual relationship with the community or just the reputation, if they didn't see the value of reputation management prior to COVID and then COVID hit, and right. everybody went into scarce mode and it was like, yes, you want to buy a car for me? Awesome. We're open, you know, mask on and do our thing. And let's try to figure out how to get digital with this. And then they got digital. They figured out how to still do what they're there 
to feed their families doing, they still never made the adjustment in, in mindsets or in their heart or culture to care about that reputation yet they went for the deal. So now as scarcity showed itself, they now abundance is, is, is dumping out on them, which a lot of us were preaching this before. Hey, there's a bottleneck. This is going to pop open. Stop getting so scared. Everybody, the market still is going to keep moving. Right. But um, if they didn't, if they weren't aware of the adjustment that had to be made prior to it happening, they're probably at about the same or probably a little bit less um, rating as far as, you know, whether it's five stars, whatever platform it is, um, right. they're still not aware that they need to make that adjustment now. And you're 100% right. Now people are walking on on very good, profitable deals. They're letting those people walk away just knowing that they that at the moment we have the control. Right. We, we have the car. We can sell it. We can make what we want to make on it. And you're going to pay it because you got to have it. So them still not being that person of empathy. It really didn't matter whether COVID happened or big profits are happening. True. They never made that shift yet. So I believe there's still so much room for improvement there. I'm still convinced that we're going to shift that culture, um, that it, we're going to be more concerned about the person in front of us and what they actually need rather than our own needs. And uh, we're going to see a shift inside of that. But I, I strongly believe that people that weren't aware of it before um, are only becoming aware of it now because they're starting to have an ear a little bit more open to some of the things that you're saying and others are saying out there of change your standards, grow mm -hmm. up, you know, take care of the people. Uh, don't look at that bottom line more than you look at that person's eyes, right? The, the, the key uh, that I think is shifting is that awareness is coming. Um, but I do, I do agree with you. Yes. A hundred percent. There's a big caution out there. You're going to reap what you sow whether or not uh, you're aware of it, right? It, the yeah. seed produce. You, you said something right now that caught my ear, brought me back to my early days. So I used to work for this this independent uh, chain of, of, of tire shops and service uh, centers and stuff in Michigan called Bell Tire. And they're huge, man. Like they're, they have like 70% market penetration. Like they have 300 plus stores in, in one area, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that may, I don't remember. It's been years, but they're pretty much like everybody uses them in Michigan. Like they're, yeah. they're, that's the place to go. Okay. And their, their slogan or their, 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 their tag was um, customer service is the bottom line. You know what I mean? And that kind of, that's always stuck with me because when you think about it, it's not just that it's the bottom line in the sense of what that word means. It's the bottom line, dude. It's the mm -hmm. profitability. It's that's customer service is how you make the money, you know, long-term that's a long-term success strategy. And so my question, you know, if we could leave something behind for the people that are listening to this, people in, like, like yourself in your role that have, mm -hmm. you know, these, these, these people on the front line that are, you know, everything's great right now and they're making a bunch of money and it's awesome. And, you know, you can pretty much skip customers and you're going to get it. You know, if you get that car, that car is going to sell. What would you say to, to, you know, what would be your advice to, you know, for that customer three years down the road? Like how should a salesperson be thinking about that customer in the future and not so much looking at, like you said right now, at that profit, at that bottom line? Uh, I believe that it's have that conversation, really inject into the conversation with the customer about what they're, what they're doing right now and building that relationship that even has you in the conversation with them in the next three years. Um, letting people understand, hey, you know, the market is a little bit crazy, empathize with them, let them know. The good thing is, is that we have what it is that you're looking for. We have a way to make it affordable for you. And we're going to do all that we can to make sure that this vehicle services you the best way that you expect it to um, in the time between now and the next time that you upgrade. But I would always encourage them that, hey, I'm going to be calling you to let you know when that better upgrade is available or for you to find out whether or not uh, you're in a better spot to achieve better financing. Uh, if, if a salesperson sets themselves up to make a relationship with the customer, then you're always in that conversation. So whether that customer is coming back in two years, four years or taking a vehicle to term, if, if you're not having that conversation with them and they're starting another one with someone else, the moment they no longer love the one they're with. And your job as a salesperson is to keep them knowing that you love them. And as long as that's happening, then you're going to keep a conversation moving. But as soon as they realize you don't want them anymore, as soon as they realize you, you, you made, you made so much compared to, because remember every conversation they have, it's, 
even if you made just a little, it's super inflated. It right, matter. yeah, sure. You know, There's no winning that, man. <laughs> you always made too much. It doesn't matter how much you made. You made too much. But building that relationship with a customer is okay for you to make and does want you to, to make money on that. I want my waiters to make money. I mean, I want people to that sell me stuff to make money because I know if they're happy with what they're producing, they provide me at least the experience I'm hoping for, right? I want them to be happy, uh, but I also want my service. So if that relationship is happening, well, now it's more me and you, and I'll, I'll listen to what you're saying if I know you have my best interest at heart. So sure. I really encourage, and we're trying to make sure that salespeople out there, managers, so on and so forth, the entire culture is, is centered on making that relationship be the valuable one, because it's those relationships that it's not necessarily the market that kept you, you know, staying afloat. Those dealerships that stayed alive during COVID when nobody knew this big influx was coming, those were ones that had rooted relationships in the community. Those that fell off weren't as rooted in the community with people wanting to take care of them. It's the same thing on any industry, right? If it was the yeah. restaurant, it was your favorite burger stand. If you didn't show up to get the burgers, well, that burger stand ain't there no more. Right? <laughs> it's, it's not. You had to go, you know, jump into a factory or go do something else. But when people value it, uh, value that business and they have that relationship with them, you have that talk. You might show up to that burger stand, you know, just to buy a few bags of burgers, just to keep your buddy in, 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 in business. Well, that person will keep that conversation going with you. Even if you tell them, Hey, business has been hard. Do you have anybody that actually is looking for a nicer, newer vehicle? Anybody that is looking to upgrade, help me out because you know, things are a little bit scarce, but we do have inventory inventory just showed up, you know, and I want to show them some of that, but help me out. Those people will care for you if you care for them. You know, John Maxwell said it. We said it on the show the other day. You know, the uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the 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 industry is shifting to where, oh, my goodness, we have to care for these people in front of us. Yes, we do. And we should have always. Um, but the the old regime is kind of softening up or dying off, whereas mm -hmm. a new, fresh, hey, we should be loving everybody. You know, the person in front of us and my the person right next to me, you know, sitting right here next to me. Um, I should be loving them. And uh, that lens is is what's making those businesses shoot up. You can tell the big businesses that are growing right now. I believe they're growing by way of love, honor and uh, some key core values um, that that does take the focus off of just making money. But what 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 I like that. I like that a lot. And and and. You know, obviously, everybody, like you said, that's going to be respected to each each store. Everybody's going to have a different way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. but I I certainly think that that's the better strategy, right? And I talked with this. You know, uh, we we kind of mentioned in, in different words, but same you know philosophy with Fred. It was like, um, you know, so you do good things and you treat people right, and then good things are going to happen to you. Of course, I mean that's that's a that's a winning business strategy. But in this particular situation, like I mean, the dealer's not wrong for overcharging, right? Because the demand is there. The customers, to a certain degree, I think that they're informed on that situation. Mm -hmm. What would you would you would okay? So when it when we're talking about specifically the trade and the car that they're buying for the future, would mm -hmm. you say that it's a smart strategy to tell that customer like, hey, listen, the the, the, the because of the current situation. Prices are out of whack. In three years, when you're looking to trade this car, there's a potential that you may be, you know, that that you may be in a situation where you're upside down or something to that effect. Obviously, don't, not using those words, but you know, um, come back to us, and we'll we guarantee you, we'll give you this much more for your trade at that particular moment in time. Would you think that that's something like, like a good marketing? Um, well, Mark, I don't know if marketing is the right word, but a good um, value proposition for that customer at the time of purchase in the current situation. Um, I think that it is hard just just as a, a person that appraises cars to ever make the assertion that your vehicle is going to be worth X amount in the next however many months. Um, that is a promise that you can set yourself up for a lot of failure on when when that customer comes back and either the salesperson is not there anymore or that vehicle didn't make it to that. Right. And, and it's all, right. it's something that we can do to cut down the value of that car. And sometimes we do that with the customer. I believe that creates a little bit more of a, uh, a defensive uh, communication moment with, with your customer. And I tried to do all that I can uh, to reduce their defenses. Uh, but 
one thing that I do believe has to happen, especially if the customer isn't coming and paying cash and we are setting up for um, purchasing a car that, and, and I am cautious of the, the verbiage too, of uh, overcharging them for the car. It's more on the side of they're, they're just paying higher market values or in some cases, uh, yes, you're making a heavy, heavy profit on a vehicle, uh, but setting them up with tools like smart payment plan and other uh, situations that can set them up financially to be in a better spot is that real coaching conversation that I think has to happen with the salesperson, with finance, um, with whoever's wrapping that up and giving any advice financially uh, to the customer is letting them know, hey, look, this is how you set yourself up to be in a better equity position based off of how you make money now. If you can adjust your payments uh, to be a bit ahead of the game, if you can throw a little bit money down when the stimulus comes in, throw a little bit more money towards your principal. Having some of those coaching conversations on the financial side of it usually reap benefits to the customer in things that aren't just the car. They start to see themselves grow in other areas financially and make decisions accordingly. And they can still attribute that back to you telling them, hey, just grab this plan and do this. And like, and, and again, just to plug a smart payment plan um, and, and just say they're incredible. They're an incredible company and they don't just help you with your cars. They'll help you with your mortgages, but they just help you to set it up to where it is more uh, affordable for you. And you're paying down that interest a bit. Remember the banks help them get the cars, but I'm not trying to have all of the money that the bank is expecting to get an in interest, go to the bank. So if, if there's a way to cut around some of that, well, we try to show our customers that lead them in that direction. And uh, right now, I mean, we've been signed up with them for a, a few years now, and we have a bank of customers that are, have built their credit up or in good equity positions and have really found themselves to find the benefit of being on a plan like that, that has them set up for success. But if you don't set them up for success, you just do your win and grin and roll on out and get them down the lane. Well, you're not setting up your business for later, but that comes with maturity, right? right. And, that, and that's kind of what I wanted to cover. Like, listen, I, I don't, I don't want, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to dealerships making money. Like, no, no, you know, like we're selling up, we're, we're, you know, it's one of my biggest pet peeves is that customers have this, this perception that dealers should lose money on their cars or something. It's like the only industry that, that happens. So I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. What, what right. I'm looking at, what I'm, what I'm talking about, to your point, what you just said right now is, you know, like this is an opportunity for a future business. If you're not looking at it that way, then you're making a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're 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 profiting right now. Great, fantastic, but it also leaves you room for setup for the future because the customers understand that these are unprecedented times. The customer understands mm -hmm. that they're paying more for for the cars. The customer understands all those things, and they still choose to transact now instead of saying, mm -hmm. "Hey, I'm going to wait." Fantastic. Great. They've, they're making that decision. So you can use that, leverage that to set yourself up for success down the, down, down the, down the line. Because what's going to happen down the line is you can have a lot of customers that are going to have some weird, some weird deals. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, if you're not... If, many times I sat there, I looked at the app and looked back up at the salesperson. Right. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> If if you're not thinking about it like that, man, and you're not setting yourself up for the future, then I, I just feel like you're missing out. Mm -hmm. So I yeah, wanted absolutely. to absolutely agree. 100% agree, brother. I definitely wanted to, to get your perspective on that. All right. So we're almost close to that time, but I wanted to switch gears here really quick and talk about the Car Guy Coffee Podcast. Dude, I loved the show. I was super thrilled to, to have the opportunity to come on yes. there. You guys are crushing it. You're You're doing some... Some some crazy things like the, that the the you know digital dealer and and recording from there that that's you know I I don't think of any I don't know maybe Paul Paul's podcast maybe has done that but I don't I don't think anybody that I've listened to anyway has recorded from 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 a show before so I I thought that that was that was pretty dope um, David Villa I mean he has his whole setup there. Um, and oh yeah, yeah. He's, the Frank has. Uh, yeah, Frank he's done that before. But uh, I don't know, dude. I, I loved it. I loved the energy. I thought you guys were 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 doing some some pretty cool things. So, you know, tell me about the experience. How was it? Like, you guys got a bunch of crazy people out there. You know, like um, it was. It, it looks like super fun, man. Well, it was an absolute blast. I 
uh, the, the best way that I could describe the way that I felt and the way that I was running around uh, personally was like I was a uh, golden doodle trying to welcome everybody home. And I was <laughs> so super pumped up and wanting to go hug everybody, just wagging my tail, excited. <laughs> um, it was, it was <laughs> such a joy to, one, you, you just built up an anticipation to see people you've talked with, people that you've had real deep conversations with, right? You became friends, brothers, sisters. All of that was pent up until, boom, we got to hug everybody. We got to see everybody. And then we got the chance to be at an event that we spoke about being at last year, right as we were kicking off the podcast, right as we were starting to let the camera be in front of us and start to make the mention and get a little bit louder, get a little prouder of what, you know, the message we're bringing. And then COVID came. Nobody got to go to Digital Dealer. This time we come back around with a sponsor that is saying, listen, we want to connect with you. We have some great products and and we love you guys and we want to go to this event and we want to do it this way. And we were completely down for that to show up the way that we did um, to be able to compliment what they were doing um, on their they're getting their message to dealers and then to be there with the industry to pump it up. Brother, it was incredible. But Uh, The biggest thing was really just seeing how much we were received and loved for coming and loving on people, right? It was our first time really out and about amongst giants of industry that we honor, we respect, and we we look up to. And we all of a sudden were there with the mic in front of them, right? Glenn Lundy comes running up inside of our hello, our good morning. Uh, Alex Flores jumps up inside of there. El Patron. Rudy's right there rocking one of our swag shirts, right? Having all of that support was so overwhelming, um, but we didn't get the chance to really take it in all the way. I mean, we had our moments. Don't get me wrong. We had our moments. One of the days uh, everything got done. We were at this event. We left the American Social. Um Paul Daly had his, an incredible event. We got uh, Brian Benstock playing uh, This Is How We Do It, you know, standing on top of a chair. It was crazy. And we were, like, so happy. We were so happy. And we, we went and said, what's the best thing that we can eat right now? We need to eat something that's late. Bro, I feel like a little kid. I want a Happy Meal. And we went and got <laughs> some Happy Meals. You know what I mean? We went and got some Happy Meals, had a good time. You know, like little kids just just eating our fries and eating our little burger and we felt good. <laughs> we were having a great time just feeling like kids connecting with other people. I was calling it from the stage, the pen pal convention, right? Everybody's just been talking and texting <laughs> until we came out there and we saw each other. But to be out there with everybody, learn what we've learned, know where it is that we can adjust, but to have people like David, Glenn Lundy, all of the sponsorship crew, all of the incredible people come through and, and give us that 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 validation of hey we appreciate what you're doing here doing we love what you're doing here that sealed it in our hearts to where like okay our message our message is not so much that we question whether it was valid but our message is being received well right because so many times we can have a great message you know you can and, and it just doesn't get picked up it doesn't get received you know, how sad would you be if you sent incredible gifts to your children and they never actually got them? And you're you're always like, man, what did you think about that bike? Or what did you think about that? It's like, I never got it. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but it, it was received well. And, and so that is what made us feel like, oh, my goodness, it's been it's been worth it all this year. Plugging in there and doing what we're doing to encourage the industry. Um, now, what can we do to go to the next level? What can we do to keep growing? Right. Yeah, man. No, dude, I loved it. It was great. I think um, I can't wait to see you guys do it again when you're here, man. And um, it's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's dude, it looks, it looks awesome. All right, man. Listen, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Kicking off season six for me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Conversation. Um, there is one question that I ask everybody that comes on the show. And that question is, where do you see the automotive industry headed in the next five years and why? In the next five years, I see the automotive industry being completely mixed up with more women, more people of color, men and women, uh, more ideas, and more people finding themselves as great people of standard. I see that the automotive industry is going to have more people that are not afraid of their faith, 
and to speak it in the industry, speak it in their dealerships. I also see that communities are going to see more and more that the dealerships that once had the reputation that they have no longer are the same type of companies. And this next generation uh, that's coming around, I believe, is going to start seeing the value and the honor that there is in being in this industry. I believe that we are going to be an honorable profession, not just to ourselves, but to those that are seeking to be inside of an honorable an honorable po- position in life. Uh, more people are going to come into this business with intention than by accident. I do see that in the next five years. And plus, I see all car dealerships drinking car guy coffee. Right on. <laughs> Dude, amen to that, bro. Like, that's that's it. I think that, that um, you know, I think that social media, I think that the, the, the digital age that we're living is really... Um, primed for us to be able to achieve that and every all of us doing our, our part right putting our little you know our, our portions in is going to help spread the word and get that information out there and it's going to really showcase how awesome this industry truly is man because i mean let's just face it the stigma is there and it's real and it's been it's something that's been hurting this industry for a really long time and you know enough is enough man that needs to stop so um, there it is, folks. Lou Ramirez kicking off season six for us. This was awesome. Thank you again, sir, for being on. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Again, man, I can't believe that you guys are, have been with me this long. And I'd love to to to, to kind of seeing the trajectory of this has been extremely um, informational for me. And, and you know, I, I really hope uh, that you guys continue to get value from it. So thanks again for all the support. That's all the time that we have for today. And as usual, we'll talk later. We only host the well-respected. The vendor Lexus Nexus. We don't sell digital marketing. What you do? We inspected what our DT vendor management solutions. We come in like the EP. To clear out the pollution Save the trash Go keep your P&L clean Your inventory lean You need more opportunities Where the content is king Now more than ever Businesses need more efficient sales That's why thousands of dealerships Trust Four Eyes To help with things like Automated inventory email updates And ensuring all of your leads Get into the CRM To try Four Eyes for free Visit foureyes.io Slash dealer talk That's foureyes.io slash dealer talk.